Morning Faith Life, it's so good to be with you again. Just a fantastic morning to, to be together, even if it's only virtually. Uh, we look forward to the day when we meet again physically, but for now we can really appreciate being able to uh, spend time worshipping along with our fantastic musicians. Uh, really great job, guys. And uh, yeah, thank you also to Olive for leading us in communion. That was, that was fantastic. And, uh, you know, what we, whilst we, we're not out of the woods yet and, and weeks seem to roll on by and roll on by, there's always hope. We can see that there's hope at, at the light at the end of the tunnel as to when we, we're going to get through this difficult time. But I think it's fair to say, isn't it, that all of us have been through uh, quite a long, difficult time and we're wondering when it's ever going to end. And it's in the light of that that I've been uh, putting together these things that God's been teach, showing me out of 1 Peter called uh, Good News for Bad Times. And uh, we all need good news, don't we? We all need good news. Well, here's the good thing. The gospel, by definition, is good news. And that's, that's really what Peter wants to talk about. He, he wants to talk about how the gospel, the thing that we hold dear as our Christian faith, how that practically works itself out in the reality of an everyday life when everything's going wrong and things are coming uh, left, right and centre and it looks like we're, we're, we're never going to come out of these bad times. But Peter says there's good news for bad times. So I'm going to continue with that this morning and so I want you to just turn now, open your Bibles uh, to 1 Peter and we're going to go to 1 Peter and I'm going to pick it up at verse 3. 1 Peter chapter 1 Verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. You can really connect with that bit, can't you? That the genuineness of your faith be much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, May be, found, may be found to praise, honour and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom you are having not seen, you love. Though now you don't see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Of this salvation the prophets have inquired and searched carefully, who prophesied of the grace that would come to you, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ who was in them was indicating when he testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. To them it was revealed that not, not to themselves but to us they were ministering the things which now have been reported to you through those who have preached the gospel, the good news to you, by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things which even angels desire to look into. 
What an amazing passage. And I just want to start with a, a really clear statement that I, I, I want to build on for a little while this morning uh, before I move on. And that is that your praise is better than your problems. Your praise is better than your problems. You know, nothing in this world, nothing that this world has to offer compares with the salvation that we have in Christ. Because that salvation gives us peace with God, it gives us peace with inside, and it gives us confidence of eternal life. And, you know, our faith, this faith that we all uh, subscribe to, this faith faith that we, we gave our lives to, this faith isn't a fair-weather faith. It works in any circumstance, in good times, bad times, happy times, sad times, times when you're on top of the mountain and times when you've got the mountain to climb. This faith works in whatever circumstances. It's not just for the good times, but it's joy in the bad times. It's our hope in the bad times. It's our comfort in the bad times. It's our strength in the bad times. And it is the power of God to see us through those bad times and to come out stronger than when we first went into them. And so what, what's happening here is Peter's writing this letter, just a quick recap on last week. Peter's writing this letter in the middle of some horrible times, some really bad times. That persecutions come on the churches that he planted as a result of Nero uh, trying to shift the blame for his own mistakes. And Peter sees this persecution and these churches are into Peter and said, look, this isn't, this isn't what we expected. This isn't really what we thought we were buying into. How, how do we handle this, Peter? How's our faith going to survive this? So Peter writes his letter back to them and, and he's speaking to them. And the first thing he tells them is this, let, I'm paraphrasing, I'm going to give you some encouragement. But first off, let's focus ourselves. Let's, let's get our heads on straight. Let's focus ourselves. And the way we're going to do that is we're going to praise. And there's so much wisdom in that, so much wisdom that praise just helps us to focus not only on the one in whom we put our hope, but the one who has the answers for right now and the wisdom to share with us to take us through the now. So he's saying, let's get our heads on straight. Let's just stop a minute. Let's, let's get some time. Let's get our focus. Let's get our focus on where the answers are. And that is with God. So let's praise him. Because, you know, praise is, is powerful. One of the things that I've discovered in my life is how powerful praise is. Because it gets my focus on the one who has the answer to the problem. And it gets my focus off the problem. And that is so important. Because in the days we're living in, in the times we're experiencing, these problems that are all around us and it seems like it's all we hear, you know, everything, everything that comes on our phone and our laptops and our iPads and our TVs and our magazines and everything we, we hear from people we talk to, it all seems to be problem, 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 problem. And Peter says, here's the first thing you need to do. Praise God, because that gets your focus off the problem and onto the one who has the answer to the problem. Your praise is better than your problem. And, and the next thing, you know, really that, that is so important here, he's, he's saying, talk the answer. And that's really important for us. Talk the answer, don't talk the problem. What he's saying is this, where are you setting your mind? Where are you, where are you putting your thoughts? Are you putting these thoughts on the things above or the transitory, temporary problems right here? And what he's saying is, I want you to set your mind on faith. 
I want you to set your mind on believing God. I want you to set your mind on trusting God and leaning not on your own understanding. And how do you do that? You do that by praise. That sets our mind. It helps us set our mind. And you know, when we when we think about this, we, we live in this world and you know, whilst the last 12 or so months have been difficult for all of us, it's not, it's not as if the rest of our lives have been without difficulties as well. And the reason for that, and we, we explored this last week, is that we are an outpost of the kingdom of God. And that outpost exists uh, alongside or, or within or contemporaneously with the kingdom of darkness. So this outpost, we, we feel like we don't fit. We're aliens in this foreign land. We're sojourners, pilgrims who are passing through. And is that that outpost of the kingdom, we have a purpose. And our purpose is to bring hope, to bring healing, uh, to bring freedom, to bring help from Christ to this nation that we are part of. And that, that's our purpose. That's why we're here. And, and so Peter's reminded us of all that. And that, now he's moving on. And I just want to, before we move on, I just want to remind us why he wrote this book. Uh, I, I talked a lot about this last week, but actually there's a really clear statement that Peter himself makes as to why he wrote this letter. And, you know, when he's writing this, he's in the midst and he, he sees this church and it's in the midst of all sorts of problems. Not just the persecution from Rome, but the, the, the oppression that's taking place uh, is causing all sorts of the problems in the society that they exist in and in the church itself. And, you know, these problems are economic, they're health-wise, uh, there's, there's problems for people to get justice, there's a, an overbearing political control, uh, and the church, the church that he's writing to, is under pressure to give up. It's under pressure to say, I've had enough of that Christian stuff, it's just not working for me right now. And he's saying, it is working Go through, be patient, endure, come out the other side and see the glory of what Christ will do. And, you know, in the midst of that, you know, even in those days, we find out from historians that these guys weren't exempt from their own share of conspiracy theories. They weren't uh, exempt from their own share of rumours going around and false, uh, false lies being spread. And there was ethnic discord, there was uh, societal unrest, social unrest. And Peter's writing to that sort of scenario. And I, I, I'm, I'm looking at this and reading what people have said about this time. And I'm thinking, man, that, that just rings so many bells that are true for now. And, you know, that's, that's so much reflected of what we, we are experiencing. Yes, in a different way. But all those problems that were there then, they're the same problems which we're experiencing now. And the question that, that he's, he's going to answer is, how do you bring the light of Christ into the midst of those problems? And in that sense, he's speaking to today. And uh, in chapter 5, verse 12, and I, I'm going to quote you from the, the New Living Translation, just because of the simplicity of the way it puts this. But in chapter 5, verse 12, he actually says, this is why I'm writing to you guys. This is why I've written this letter. And this is what he says. I've written to you this brief letter through Silvanus because I know him to be a faithful brother. To encourage you, so to, he's writing to encourage, and to testify that this is the true grace of God. Take your stand in it. This is the true grace of God. Take your stand in it. So 
let me let me just capture that. Let me just capture the essence of that for you because it's so important what he said there. He said he's echoing something that Paul says in the letter to the Romans that this is the grace in which we stand. We stand as new covenant believers in grace, and that's the place of provision. That's the place of protection. That's the place of security for us. And the link here is that this praise that he's talking about, this praise he, he's, he's entering into himself, moves us consciously into that place of grace in which we stand. Because as we praise, we realise that this isn't about us. It's not about our efforts. It's not about us keeping a set of rules. It's not about us having been great at following religious tra traditions. It's not us about us being a great standing in the church or anything like that. This is all about Christ. And Christ is given us everything we need for this life and godliness. And that is the grace in which we stand. And you know, when it says, I've written this to encourage you, it's so important there because, you know, when that word encourage, when you, when you look it up, means to put courage into someone, to put courage into you. So Peter's writing this letter and he's writing this to, this to the church, it, churches that he's planted, but he's also writing it down the generations to us. And he said, I want to put courage in you. Right now, faith life, I want to put courage in you. Right now, everyone who's listening to, to this, this talk, I want to put courage in you. I want to put courage in you through my words and through your spirit. You know, there are times and seasons when we need to starve fear and feed courage. Times and seasons when we need to starve fear and feed courage. And this message that, that, that Peter is bringing and I'm bringing you to this morning is about putting some steel in our spines and having some courage to stand in the grace that God has given us, to stay connected, keep going, keep loving, keep helping others, keep growing in faith and keep putting our trust in God and leaning not on our own understanding. And, and you know, when, when there's pressure on every side, when, when things are coming at us and when there's problems coming from all directions, um, when you can't see a way out, what does Peter say? He says, stand your ground, stand your ground, plant your feet, stick to your biblical convictions, share the gospel, love your enemy and stand and do not be moved from your faith. That's the whole point. That's the whole point of good news for bad times. To access that good news, we must not be moved from our faith. We must trust God more than we've ever trusted him before. Because he is the good news for bad times. In his grace, in which we stand, there's the good news for the bad times. Now the next thing he's going to say is, is I guess, equally important. Because what, he, what he's going to say now is this. When your problems are out there... You need to know who you are in here. So when your problems are out there all around you, you need to know who you are in here. You know, it's easy when there's also old problems around us, when we're beset with problems, when we're beset with troubles, when we're concerned about stuff, when things aren't working out right. It's easy to forget who we are in Christ and who is the one who lives in us and through us? And we, we kind of go through this life and we, we saunter through and work our way through it. Just 
without accessing everything of Christ that is within us, the, the spirit of Christ, the, the, the spirit who is our encourager, our comforter, our counsel, our wisdom, our strength, the power within us. And we forget who we are and we just go on life and we, we, we kind of plod our way through. And then we wonder, like, why do we just look like the world? What, is there any difference between us and the world? Well, as long as we forget who we are, there isn't. Because we need to access that which is within us. When everything is out there around us, we need to remember who is in there with us. And you know, here's, here's the problem that, that these guys were, were facing in this local church when they wrote to, to Paul. The, the rea the, the, our response to the, the bad times is faith in the reality of who we have been made to be and who it is that we have put our trust in. And yet these guys, they wrote to Peter and they, they were sighing when they should have been singing. They weren't praising, they were sighing and complaining and moaning and feeling all beat down and depressed. And Peter says, here's what you need to do. You need to sing, you need to praise, you need to glorify God. And now he's going to show them how to do it. He's going to show, us, show them how to step into that. He's going to remind them of who they are in Christ, who is the one who dwells within them, what they've been given, the grace in which they stand. And he's going to remind them of that. And he's going to say this, and this is the third thing I want you to remember this morning. So, you know, the, the first thing, your praise is better than your problems. The second thing, when everything's out there, remember who you are in here and who is in here. And this is the third thing. Your blessings are bigger than your burdens. That's how the kingdom works. Our blessings are bigger than our burdens. Our blessings are bigger than our burdens. And, you know, what we see here in these verses that I read earlier, um, we, can't, we kind of miss this because we're not steeped in this tradition, but actually the format of this is a very similar format to... Uh, Jewish believers say three times a day in their prayer. So uh, if you're a Jewish believer, you say uh, at regular intervals through the day, uh, something called the Amidah. And uh, you've probably seen them uh, doing this. This is when they stand to pray. And they, they do this thing called the Amidah. And what the Amidah is, uh, is 18 promises and blessings of God that they recite. They praise God for these 18 promises and blessings that they have been given. And they use that, as I said, three times a day. And when they, they, they used to say this in Old Testament times and the times before uh, we're looking at here, they used to look forward to the fulfilment of those promises and the fulfilment of those blessings to come. To the time of realisation. And what Peter's going to do, and this is just absolutely amazing, he's going to take that same format, that same idea, and he's going to say, now all these things have been made a reality through Christ. Now all these things are yours. Your blessings are now bigger than your burdens. And, and he talks about uh, how God has given us great mercy. Can you see that word, those words? Great mercy. Now, when you, you look at that in the original language, the, 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 the Greek is polis elios. Now, what, what does that mean? Well, polis is the word for great, and it means plenteous, multitudinous, great amount of, but it also means intense, strong, and powerful. So you've been given intense, strong, powerful uh, 
mercy and, and blessing and it's multitudinous and it's many faceted and that word elios well that's a that's the Greek equivalent a really well-known Hebrew word which you might have heard of called hesed and hesed is the blessing and mercy of God that rests on his people it's covenant loyalty and covenant love that God has for his people and nothing can snatch you out of the grasp of that great covenant loyalty and covenant love now what I want you to see here is that that's all God's initiative that's all God's doing and, and Peter's saying well you know this is what Christ has done for you he's made those blessings that people have paid for for generations reality in your life it's all about his done you didn't earn it in fact it's all God it's all his initi initiative because you deserve different this is a, a facet of God's multifaceted mercy and blessing on his covenant people. And he's chosen to do this. You didn't deserve it. In fact, you deserve different. Because what you got was overflowing, abundant, many-faceted mercy. And he said, how did, it, how did that happen? He said, well, this is because it's not what you deserved, but what Jesus deserved. And you've been given it as a gift, the grace in which you stand. So that's the first reason to praise. And then he says, well, you've got this living hope, this amazing living hope. And, and what I want to say there is that this Christian hope that we have, it's not wishful thinking. It's some, not sort of some vague feeling or something we just utter as a platitude like the world does. Our hope is real. Our hope is genuine. It's not this kind of vague sense. I kind of hope, I kind of wish things will turn out okay. And, and maybe they will be okay in the end, and maybe they won't. It's not that hope at all. So what we have is something much more real, much more concrete, and something that we, we can invest our trust in. And that's what Peter's saying here. And you know, often we mistake this worldly hope for our Christian hope. And then because we've been doing this worldly hope, I kind of hope things turn out all right. And if they don't, well, what am I going to do? And, and we come out with that sort of stuff. That's not Christian hope at all. But when, we, when we, we mistake those two different things, we're often disappointed when things haven't turned out how we would want it. You know, there's things I'm disappointed about right now. I, I felt, you know, this time last year, we, we were seeing the Spirit of God move. We, we saw uh, him doing great things. Uh, uh, the, the churches that we'd been involved in planting were growing. The churches that we were helping with in terms of uh, mentoring and encouraging and getting alongside, they were doing great. We were doing great. Everything was going well. And you go, well, that's disappointing that we find ourselves here, isn't it? Well, no, it's, it is in that sense, but only if our hope was a worldly hope. In reality, God is getting us ready to become an unstoppable people for his kingdom. And if we'll grasp and come through this difficult time, the time when things aren't turning out, we are going to see the fruit of what he has done in us. And that's why it's so important that we stay strong now, we stay connected, we, we, we grow in faith and we help others. We, as we do that, as we get into God's word, as we listen to the Holy Spirit, we are going to grow and grow and grow and become an unstoppable people because our hope is in Christ. Our hope is in God. Our hope is in his promises. 
Our hope is that he has given us everything we need for life and godliness and we're accessing it right now. And we're going to come out of this with an experience where we know God's unfailing love and trustworthiness. And that hope that we have, it begins with a miracle. It begins with a miracle. It's a miracle of new birth. And, you know, I, I've just been uh, meditating on these passages and pondering the, this passage just for, for several weeks now. And, and he uses this phrase, doesn't he, that uh, this real hope that I've been talking about, it's been placed in our hearts by new birth. Uh, Peter uses these words, begotten again. And you might remember Jesus said that to Nicodemus, you, you can't enter the kingdom of God without being born again. You must be born again. And Peter here is saying that same thing to these ex-Gentile, ex-pagan believers, people who have got no experience with God. And it's still the same message. You've got to be born again. There's no other way into the kingdom of heaven. And at the instant we believed, at the instant you believed, you became a new creation. And you're not going to be able to enter heaven without that. You know, we can't get into heaven without becoming a new creation. Since the state of man is to be dead in our sins. You know, Ephesians 2.1 tells us that. But, you know, I, I'm just thinking where Corinthians tells us that without new birth, we're spiritually blind. You know, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 tells us that, that we, we're foolish and we don't understand the, the spiritual things. And 2 Corinthians 4.4 tells us that the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers. And so we needed something to break that blindness. And that is the miracle of new birth. So our hope and, and, and our, our confidence starts with that miracle. That thing that, that happened inside us when we were given new birth. And that new birth... It gives life to those who were dead and it opens the eyes of the blind. It gives new life and his presence, the presence of the Holy Spirit comes in and enlightens our heart to a, a new perspective, a new reality. We can see things differently. And what, what Peter's urging them by talking about this, he's urging them to live, to remember they were begotten again and to live from that new understanding and that new reality. To, to, to receive God's perspective on things, to understand who they are. And the next thing he says is this, this, this faith that you have, this faith that you were born again into, this, this new creation, all the promises of God, they are absolutely rock solid. They, they are immovable. Because this hope that you have is built on something solid, something that can't be moved, something unchangeable. It's built on the resurrection of Jesus, the fact, the historical fact of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And our faith is built on that historic fact. So, you know, in the Old Testament, when, you know, people were looking forward to these blessings and this fulfillment and play, praying those series of blessings and promises. In the Old Testament, they were looking forward to the coming of the Messiah. They were looking forward to the resurrection of the bodies. But they could only believe it because of what God had said. They were, they were believing the promises. And, you know, um, I don't want to belittle that because, you know, it's good to take God at his word. And it's good to believe God at his word. But actually, God has made things even more certain than that for us. He's given us the evidence of the resurrection through Jesus Christ. We've got something far greater now. We've got the reality of Christ being raised from the dead 
and us being raised from our spiritual death, our blindness, and brought to new life, eternal life, through new birth. And, and, and that happens right now as we believe on him. And you know, when we do that, we give our life in relationship to the one who lives, to receive his life right here, right now. You see, God, God, what we have isn't just some hope for the future, some vague thing that hoped I get to heaven one day. What we have is the reality of eternal life right now where we can have a real relationship with the one in whom we trust. You know, the, all the barriers have been broken by, down by Jesus and, you know, we can boldly come back before the throne of grace to find help in the ta ha help we need. And, you know, we, we have this access to God and it's a real relationship. And for us, eternal life starts right now and never ends. And, and Peter's reminding of this. This is your hope. This is, this, is, this is who you are. This is what you've been given. This is your hope. And nothing's going to change that because it's rock solid, immovable, uh, unchangeable, cannot be changed. This happened, came into fact 2,000 years ago. When you put your faith in Christ, it became real for you too. And the next thing he says, you know, on this list of things is, here's what, here's what that means for you guys. Glory now and glory ahead. Glory now and glory ahead. You've got the glory of God now. He's given you new life. The Holy Spirit lives in you. The Spirit of Christ is within you. You've got glory now within you. You've got a living relationship with a living Saviour and there's more glory to come. So whatever you're going through right now, just remember that. That the, the inside where it can't be touched, there is the glory of Christ. And outside, there is glory and glory and glory coming towards you. And, and, and the fulfilment of that is not far off. You know, um, how can I put this? You know, while at, at, at the time that he's writing, the Roman Empire might have overrun God's promised land. And whilst the, that same empire, uh, led by this, this corrupt emperor, uh, was pressuring the church. Peter says, in the midst of all that, all that that is going on, all that that is happening, everything that's happening around you, everything you're hearing in the news, everything that people are saying, everything you're hearing, whispers and rumours and conspiracy theories and all the opinions everybody has and this person against that person and this person against that person, in the middle of all that, your inheritance... What you have been given by God is incorruptible. It cannot be spoilt. What does that mean? You know, why can't it be spoilt? Because it was put there by a miracle, not by man's efforts. It, it's something that God did and can't be touched. It cannot be taken away because it was completed 2,000 years ago. It's, it's um, incorruptible, unchangeable, can't be spoiled. What's spoiled? Well, the, the word he's using here is kind of the idea of taking spoils. You know, when, the, well, let's say when the Vikings came down into, into, the, into the, the United Kingdom and they came down and they, they sort of ransacked villages and they took all the valuable things. That's taking spoil. And, and what he's saying is nobody's going to take this from you. Nobody can steal this from you. God's got you in the grip of grace and nobody can steal with this from you. It's immune from the enemy. It's immune from everything that's going on around you. 
this is what is yours. Remember, he said, focus, focus. Praise God for this inheritance. Thank him for this inheritance. Thank him for what he's done for you. Because it cannot be touched. Remember, it cannot be touched. Nobody can take this away from you. Your hope, your inheritance cannot be stolen. And then, then he says something, you know, just absolutely amazing. He says, this glory that you have now, it's not only permanent and unchanging, but it'll never fade. In fact, it's going to get brighter and brighter. It's, it's going to not, it won't tarnish, it won't lose its appeal, it, it won't get uh, dulled. Uh, it's uh, new every day and new every morning. And this, this glory... You know, just as I was coming out, as I was saying that, I just remember those words, you know, from, I just think, I, I love Amazing Grace, but it says, doesn't it, when we've been ten, there 10,000 years, we've no less, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. And, and the, you know, that's our inheritance, that's our destiny. Um, he's going to say this, and I, I just remember this, right at the end of, of this first chapter of Peter, he says this, um, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. Because all flesh is as grass and all the glory of man is the flower of the grass. The grass withers, flower falls away. But the word of Lord and the Lord endures forever. Now, this is the word which by the gospel was preached to you. He's reminding them that that. Whilst the things of men might pass away, this glory that they have been given in Christ is only going to get brighter and brighter, bright shining as the sun. As, as we, we behold his glory, we're transformed into his likeness from glory to glory. And he says something else which is really amazing. He says, here's another thing. This inheritance, you don't have to wait for it because it's ready right now. You've got some access to to it right now it's already prepared it's already a reality it's already full and it doesn't need you to add anything to it and that's good news why is that good news because it takes away all these plans that we get involved in when we're not thinking and and, and we we mess around with you know some of the times we, we get too big for our boots as as, as, as the body of christ and particularly i, I think sometimes it, within our, our church world we get too big for our boots we we think we're here to help god out and uh, you know what peter's saying is is you aren't consultants helping god improve your inheritance by your bright ideas or how to bring about the kingdom god's already done everything that needs doing there you know your bright ideas ain't going to make it any better You've got your inheritance, the kingdom's here, the kingdom's now, and you have all you need to draw on. You've been given everything you need for life and godliness through his great and precious promises. And as you know him more and more deeply, the power of that will work itself out in your life and that will affect the world around you. The kingdom is here right now. That inheritance is intact fully done, fully prepared, there's nothing else to be worked on, you can't add to it, you can't make any better, just learn how to use it by grace through faith. That's how this works, by grace through faith. And then he goes on and he says something, you know, equally wonderful, that this salvation that we have is protected by God. The salvation that you have right now is protected by God. What does that mean? Well, it means nobody can take it away from you. Nobody can snatch you out of his hand. 
Uh, no one can pull you away. The devil can throw his best shots at you. And if you stand in faith and you keep hold of God, nothing can snatch you out of God's hand. You know, that word kept that is used there, it means to build a fortress around you. And literally, God's built for building a fortress around you right now. He knows everything that's going on in your life. He knows how dispirited you might be at times. He knows how disappointed you get. He knows how disheartening some of the things that are happening are. And yet he's building a fortress right now. And the way he's doing that right now, just one of the things he's doing is you're listening to this. And I'm praying, Holy Spirit, that these words that I speak this morning, the anointing on these words will inspire hearts. It will put courage into people. It will encourage them. It will build strong faith. It will encourage us to look to God, to keep our eyes on God, to set our minds on him. And, and you know, that... that that's that's all part me me praying for you there that's all part of god building this fortress around us and we can pray that over ourselves over our family over our friends every day you know um i guess peter's kind of remembering his own story as well isn't he you know we we what one of the things we really remember about peter is how he said he, he said that he'd never deny jesus and ended up denying him three times and yet he's remembering here how uh, Jesus came to him and encouraged him and put strength back into him. And he talked to him about love and he talked to him about that he still had a purpose for him. And you know, no matter how disillusioned or disappointed or down, or no matter how we've messed up and no matter what we failed at, we can discover what Peter did, which is that our failure is not the end because Jesus is involved. And Jesus is praying for us and he's building a fortress around us and he's got a purpose for us. He's got a destiny for us. And as we go through this time and as we come out of this time, we're going to see that purpose and that destiny. So just take a hold of his hand. Take a hold of his hand right now and put your trust in him and say, God, I thank you for building this around me, that you have protected me from my enemies, that you have put a wall, a fortress around me that is guarding over my heart. And no matter how much I feel like I, I, I'm failing, you are there and you are encouraging me, you are praying for me and you are strengthening me right now. And you are putting that courage in me. You are giving me strength. You are putting steel in my spine to see this through and come out strong. And so, you know, that salvation that we have, is, you know, I'm getting excited now. It's... Do you remember when Paul says in Romans that, you know, in all these things, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. In all these things, we are more than conquerors. And not death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, or any other thing can separate us from the love of God. You are not facing this alone. You are not facing anything alone. Your failures, your disappointments, your disillusionment is not terminal. You are coming back strong in Christ because he's got you in the grip of his grace. Amen. So let me, let me just start to wrap this up now. Um, the next thing he says, that this is verses 6 and 7, he, he talks about how God's blessings and this grace and this salvation we have, this rock-solid hope that we have, how it redeems the meaning of the trial. You know, Peter says this, he says, trials have profit. Trials have profit. And we think, oh man, you know, 
How, how is that? But the reality is that as we go through trials, the Bible tells us there's lots of rewards that come out of that. Lots of things that happen. Our faith gets strengthened. We, 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 we see the miraculous of God. Our, our confidence in God grows. Uh, we learn better how to access his blessings. We learn better how to stand in his grace. We grow strong. We mature. We become healthy. And, and Peter says, you know, there's, 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 there's profit in these trials. And these trials, what they're doing is showing to you the glory of God that is in you. Showing to you the glory of God is in you. And, you know, what, what happens is that in trials, the, the, our faith becomes visible our faith becomes visible to ourselves we can look at it and go oh that's that's what it feels like to trust God that's what it feels like to to put my confidence in God when everything around me is is going wrong and our faith becomes visible to others and you know um how can I put it he said when we when we go through these trials and it produces praise, it produces glory, it produces honour for Christ. And, you know, what he's saying is one of the things that, that will be a result of this is that um, Christ himself one day will commend you for the way you stood in this time. Christ, one day, you will stand before him and he will commend you for coming through this time and the way you stood in it and the way you loved others and the way you cared about others and the way you loved Jesus and the way you stuck with Jesus. And Christ himself will commend you for that. And he says that that will result in honour. It will result in standing for you, authority for you. And it'll re result in glory that it will sparkle and shine like light in the kingdom of god you know uh, philippians talks about how we shine as light in the midst of a perverse generation but you know that light with which we shine will get stronger and stronger and that honor and that and that commendation with, of christ is priceless and so to wrap all this up, what does he say? What, 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 what's the big thing he's going to come out with? You know, remember he started with praise. Well, now he's going to finish with rejoicing. Rejoice. You know, and we can say, well, how can I rejoice in the middle of everything that's going around? What, what can I greatly rejoice in? You know, when somebody says to me, greatly rejoice, you go, how do I do that? What, what, what's that about? Here's, this, here's what Peter says, the secret of this, the secret to being able to rejoice in the midst of all that, the secret to access this grace in which you stand, the secret to praising God and, and, and then having peace in this life and having joy in this life and having confidence in this life is, and this is a secret, do not let your temporary become your forever. Do not let your temporary become your forever. And it's in that context that he says rejoice. Rejoice because we live in the greatest time in history. You now possess and have the reality of what those, those people, the Old Testament prophets yearn for. It's ours. We've got it. We're living in the greatest of all times. You know, the sufferings of Christ, you can rejoice because the sufferings of Christ were followed by glories. So head up, chin up. You now live in that glory. You now live 
in that time when the Spirit of Christ rests in the hearts of all believers. You've rejoiced because you've been firmly established in the fact of the resurrection, so rejoice. You have new birth, you've been begotten again, you've been set free from your old life. The glories of God in you are new every morning, so rejoice. Um, you've got surety of eternal life and that eternal life starts right now and you can enjoy that right now. You've got access to the throne of God, so rejoice. You can come boldly before your throne of grace to find whatever help you need, so rejoice. Um, Jesus himself, the one who you can now have fullness of life and fullness of relationship with, he longs for you to be with him and to spend time with him. So rejoice. You know, and finally he's saying, well, you know, guys, just get your head around this. Angels got excited about what you now have. If you can't get excited about it, what, what, what more can I say? Because these angels, they long to look at that. They still stand there and they're, they're in awe of what you have been given in Christ. They, they, so lift up your head. The time of his return draws close. He's coming again. He's coming for you. You can enjoy his presence. You can enjoy his love. You can enjoy his glory right now. And there's glory to come. So rejoice. Amen, faith life. That's what we have. Our blessings are bigger than our burdens. And our praise is better than our problems. When we remember who we are and who he is in us and what he has done for us. Amen. So if, that, if you've heard that for the first time, if you've heard the good news for the first time, and you would say, I, I want to know this saviour. I'm going to invite you to do that right now. I'm going to invite you to turn your back on this life that you've got and follow Jesus. So if that's you, I want you to pray this with me right now. Father, I choose to turn away from this life that I have. For the wrong stuff that I've done. And I trust, I choose to put my trust in you. I ask you to forgive me of everything I've done wrong. And I want to receive that new birth that Mark's talked about. I ask you to give me new life that I may be born again. I open myself now for your spirit. To give me that new life. Amen. So if you said that this morning, I want to encourage you to let us know to uh, messages on Facebook or email us at the church, office at faithlifechurch.org.uk and we'll get some resource to you. Uh, we'll, we'll be there to help you. We can answer some questions for you and we want to really celebrate with you that you've taken that step this morning. Amen. We have a, a good God, but what an amazing salvation. What an amazing hope. What an amazing inheritance. Uncorruptible, unchangeable, cannot be spoiled. Will will always be there, rock solid, unchanging forever. In that we put our trust. So we love you, Faith Life. We uh, we 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 miss you. 
But we want to bless you and we pray God's blessing on you today. We pray his life on you, abundant life. And for, for everyone who, who, who right now needs it, I pray health. Be made whole in Jesus' name. Life come. That life that I, I've talked about this morning, be now made manifest in every cell. Thank you, Jesus. So have a great week, Faith Life. We love you. See you again. See you in the Zoom. Uh, stay on, watch the notices, and you know everything that's happening this week. Bye.